Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by older people, present Raise the Roof every fourth Wednesday of the month. We advocate for affordable, secure and appropriate housing. So listen up every fourth Wednesday from 6 to 6.30 on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. Uh, welcome, listeners, to the Housing for the Aged Action Group show uh, for the month of July. I'm Shane McGrath from Housing for the Aged Action Group. I'll be with you for the next half an hour. Thanks very much to Carl and Renegade Economists for a great, another great show. Uh, now, at the end of June, the Daniels government announced a major review of Victorian rental laws with Consumer Affairs Minister Jane Garrett saying, we're making sure laws around renting strike a fair balance between the rights of people who live in a rental property and the people they rent those properties from. Now, should we trust them? Tonight we're going to talk about the review process, the political context, and some of the outcomes HAG would like to see, not only for older tenants, but for everyone renting in Victoria. Uh, I'm joined by someone who should be familiar to uh, 3CR listeners. Uh, Jeff used to be the, the host of this show, also has been on City Limits and I'm sure a number of other 3CR programs over the years. Uh, thanks for coming in, Jeff. Pleasure. All right. Do you want to talk about the review process as, as the government's outlined it? Sure. Um, thanks, Shane. Um, yeah, it's we, we really welcome the um, the review of the Residential Tenancies Act. Um, it is going to be a long process. It's going to occur over two or three years before they actually get to the stage of um, looking at drafting new laws, if that does happen. Yeah. Um, so the, the very first step is that um, a discussion paper has um, been released and uh, that's available on a new website. It's not on their Consumer Affairs website. It's a new website called Ferris Safer Housing. Is that yep, right? That's right. And so Google that and, and go to that and have a look at the discussion paper. There's a, quite a lot of really interesting information on it. Mm -hmm. um, and the first um, paper is really looking at the whole landscape of housing issues, and they're wanting some very general feedback about um, what are the key issues that um, that the community wants changed in terms of our tenancy laws. Mm -hmm. So that's a really good opportunity to say the whole, raise the whole gamut of issues. Submissions for that have to be in by the 5th of August. So it's a really short um, time period. So we really encourage people to, um, to make their submissions. And it really is important that um, everyone in the community has their say, that especially tenants um, get the message across about how difficult it is in the in the rental market, particularly private renting, mm -hmm. um, because we think that um, it's a really um, important strategy in because it is such a long term one. That this is going to be really about getting the message across about how difficult it is for tenants, and the the more we can prosecute that case, the better position we'll be in in a couple of years' time to actually have um, laws drafted that might improve things. But um, the, 
so there's going to be a series of issues. Papers also come out after this one. Mm-hmm. Um, from our perspective, we're delighted that there's going to be a special uh, issues paper on on older people. So look out for that when it comes out. These will all keep appearing on this Fairer Safer Housing website. Um, and we'll also be talking about it in most of our programs going forward. Um, and there'll be issue uh, issues papers on other uh, clear matters as well, such as, do you remember some of the other topics, Shane? Yeah, so the, it's it's all open-ended at this point, but one, some of the proposed topics are uh, security of tenure, which is something that we've always talked about, uh, and one about the needs of people who live in caravan parks and residential parks, uh, as well as other kinds of accommodation. Yep. Um, and so just, uh, it's the paper's worth having a look at. It does have a lot of really interesting evidence about the situation for renters at the moment, and it is really a a terrible scenario that it paints and hopefully does provide the the foundations for some real changes to our tenancy laws, which we'll talk about shortly about the the sorts of things that we're hoping get introduced. But the report itself states that, um, again, in terms of older people, that the fastest growing age group of people living in the private rental sector in 2007 were people 55 years of age and over. Mm -hmm. And there was an increase of, on across the board of 110%, of older people living in the private sector between 1996 and 2011. Um, We're also aware of more recent research that's shown that just in the last five years alone, there's been a 44% increase in older people living in the private rental sector. So this is, um, you know, really the result of um, factors such as lower rates of home ownership, a lack of public housing supply, um, that's forcing lots of older people and other people in the community into the private rental market. And um, our key concerns are the fact that it um, doesn't provide secure tenure, it's unaffordable, um, there's poor housing standards generally, and it's not adaptable as people age. Um, just one other interesting fact that's in the paper, it demonstrates that there are 39% of private rental tenants um, in the lowest income groups that are in severe rental stress in the private market. And severe rental stress is defined as those people who are paying 50% of their income or more in rent. So practically 40% of all private rental tenants on low incomes, and of course the people we're representing, older people on aged and other pensions, would be in that category, um, are paying more than half their income in rent. Yeah, I always like to make the point that, you know, we hear a lot about dole bludgers and people taking taking benefit money from the government, but actually most people on benefits are paying upwards of 50% of that government income directly to private landlords. Yeah. And there's there's no outrage about these landlords who are living off public money, uh, exactly. just just the, the people who are unwaged at the moment. Yeah. And we know in many cases where like landlords don't even have to give a, a notice to vacate to tenants. They can just serve them with a rent increase notice that they can't afford. Yeah. And that's as good as, a, a, as an, an eviction notice, really. Yeah. So in very broad terms, I'd say there's, you know, obviously there's pros and cons to any process like this. What's really positive about the review process that the government's outlined is that it seems very ambitious, very broad ranging and quite progressive. The government launched this in discussions about the possibility of 10-year leases, which is such a a remarkable improvement on what we have now, where the best you can really hope for is a 12-month lease. It's quite extraordinary, and I think something that most tenant advocates didn't really believe would happen in the foreseeable future. The the downside is that it, it really doesn't speak at all to public housing. 
the one of the main things that HAG has always advocated is more public housing. There's, there's nothing to suggest in this that there will be any more public housing, and indeed quite the opposite. It seems like in a lot of ways the government is basically trying to outsource its obligations to provide decent homes, security of tenure, all of those things that have been available in public housing, trying to push that off onto private landlords. So we get... Sorry, I know you were about to speak, but I'm just no, going to read a, a quote from the Laying the Groundwork, which is the discussion paper that's out. Uh, in the section on the changing housing context, they say, greater targeting of social housing, so social being a combination of public and community housing, means more people in low-income households are competing in the private rental market. The private rental market needs to be able to provide housing to low-income households to relieve demand for social housing and to ensure that social housing is available to those most disadvantaged and in need. It's a really explicit move away from the idea of public housing as something that should be available to, to all Victorians on a, on a low or middle income and towards the idea that public housing is specifically for people with, with particular diagnosable forms of disadvantage, uh, which is quite disappointing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, I, we were sort of chatting earlier today about um, in our ideal scenario, we wouldn't um, necessarily really want to be engaging too much about, you know, regulating the private market. If the government focused on providing decent public housing supply, yeah. we wouldn't have to worry about the private market if that were the case. Yeah, I mean, there's that kind of historical idea that, that for a long time the way housing worked was that most people would move into home ownership they might rent privately for a, for a while while they saved up a housing deposit and people who weren't able to do that would be taken care of in public housing and that's that's i mean that's really fallen apart and there's no political movement to to reinvigorate that and it's really only you know campaigning and activism and people organizing together that has a prospect of, of reinvigorating those important ideas yeah and perhaps um at least, um, as you're saying, there are some positives about this um, paper and this process. Maybe one of those is that it's it's a chance to spark debate in the community to raise the real issues about the need for more public housing. Um, and, you know, this really highlights... I mean, this paper's highlighting how difficult it is for people in the private sector. Yeah. I mean, we also know that there's going to be massive opposition from the right-wing forces in society such as the property council yep. and all of the developers who aren't going to want to have any regulation yep. they're going to try and frighten the government by saying we'll leave the investors will leave the sector in droves if you regulate yep. um well we, we've got to you know, run these double arguments that we, we do need to improve laws but um uh, but also increase public housing at the, the same time and 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 really promote the, the issues that are in this paper about how how tough and difficult it is for people to live in this kind of housing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the reasons that we're seeing this and, and one of the strengths that we have is that, you know, historically, many tenants saw themselves as just in a temporary condition. So people didn't really vote in their own interests as tenants. Now what we know is that lots more and more of us are going to live in rental housing our whole lives. And so, you know, we're not going to vote in the interests of landlords. We're going to start forming a constituency of our, of our own. Mm. And the government needs to get ahead of that if they want to be able to, to you know, count on, on renters at, at elections in the future as, as we get more and more powerful. Yeah. Because it's really interesting. Like if you look at, we, we've often talked about public housing um, policies, which in a sense provide the the substituting government housing for for law for the residential tenancies laws so in public housing people have got um you know shane you're talking about 10-year leases public housing tenants have got tenure for, for life yeah um another thing that um the paper does refer to as you mentioned is about affordability mm -hmm. and we'll be promoting things like um 
that during at least during lease terms or more broadly that um, rent should be uh, linked to CPI and no higher. Yeah. Um, of course, that's exactly what we have in public housing. It's um, it's well, it's linked to a percentage of people's incomes, mm-hmm. um, so people do have that affordability protection there. And public housing is really well designed, and is really fantastic for older people in terms of it being adaptable as they age. Yeah. So public housing already provides all of the benchmarks that <laughs> we're trying to achieve in this um, legislative reform. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd indirect to go about way to go about trying to get the things that that we should already have in public housing and that we do already have in public housing, yeah. just not not broadly enough. That's right. Um, so HAG had a general meeting a couple of weeks ago for our members to come uh, not only learn about this review process, but also to, to give us their feedback about it. Um, how do you feel that that meeting went? It was fantastic. We had a, a huge turn up of, of members to that. Um, and, you know, people really concerned about making the most of this opportunity for mm. for reform. And um, there were so many ideas that came forward, which has been absolutely brilliant that we're going to incorporate into our submission. Um, but, yeah, the same old issues were, uh, came up in that meeting around security of tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, and and affordability and the other matters we've we've discussed today. So really, our message has been consistent for many years, yeah. and I guess is um, there is that enthusiasm there from our members because there's an opportunity to challenge channel that into something hopefully with some value. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always impressed by how committed and and serious and and active the Hag membership is. Yeah. Um, so we might go to a song now. Um, we're going to hear a track from Sharon Carpenter. This is Never Trust a Man. You're on 3CR. This is the move. This is the moment of miraculous activist activity. Imagine this activist activity. The fifth annual Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair will bring together an exciting range of independent booksellers, zinesters, and activist groups. The book fair showcases more than 40 stalls and a program of workshops. Come along to celebrate books, pamphlets, and zines, including radical fiction the anarchist classics, and cutting-edge radical writers from around the world. It's a great opportunity to be introduced to new ideas, to challenge your thinking, and to network with like-minded folks. It's free, and we also provide free childcare. It's all happening at the Abbotsford Convent on Saturday, August 8th, from 10am till 6pm, and with an after-party in a squatted space late into the night. Find out more at www.amelbournebookfair.org or find us on Facebook. The Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair, because another world is possible. The Anarchist Book Fair is a 3CR supporter. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 94198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. Uh, so yeah, as you've just heard, it is not too late to make a donation to 3CR's Radiothon, uh, especially to Hag Show, which is still uh, working towards its target. So please feel free to support us if you'd like. The uh, 
We're talking today about the current Victorian government review of the Residential Tenancies Act, which hopefully will positively transform rental laws in this state for all of us. Um, now, one thing I wanted to talk about, the we talked about security of tenure earlier. In the, um, in the early publicity around this review, the government was talking about the idea of tenure leases, um, the age editorialised in favour of tenure leases. Um, but some people have been concerned that that's not the right approach. Uh, that tenants could be locked into arrangements that aren't suitable for them, uh, or they're worried that you know about the financial penalties if they have to get out of a lease early. Um, do you want to speak to that, or do you want me to to rant about it? Yeah, uh, well, just uh, good to discuss it because um, we've have supported for a very long time the need for older people, our, our constituents, to um, to be able to have long term leases. Um, and again, this paper, the evidence in it is showing that. Um, some time ago, private tenancies tended to be quite short. Again, as you mentioned before, Shane, it was often more like a transitionary form of housing. Mm -hmm. But now the facts are that people are living longer in private rental than they ever have. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily by choice, but out of necessity. Mm -hmm. um, so it just shows that, that we have a need to have longer term leases provided. Um, and, the, and contrary to the view of some, we believe that um, there are um, ways and means for those um, um, leases to, to be broken necessarily if, if tenants need to do that, if they have good reasons. And the fundamental um, issue for us is that um, it's in a, in a very active market like renting is, there's such a demand for housing that um, if someone does leave a property, it's usually only a few weeks before another tenant can come in anyway. Yeah. So that's generally going to be the situation with private renting. So we don't really see that, see that as a fundamental problem with um, being offered long-term leases. Yeah, absolutely. Tenants break leases every day. It's the number one most common thing that, that people seek advice about in relation to their tenancies. And as far as I can see, there's no reason to think that that, that would be any more difficult or the cost would be any greater with 10-year leases. In a lot of ways, I think it would be easier because at the moment, one of the basic ways you can get out of a lease is to find somebody else who wants to take it over. Um, well, that can be quite hard if you've only got six months or two months left on your lease. <clears throat> if you've got you know, five years or two years left on your lease, why wouldn't someone take over? That, that's a substantial amount of time to be able to, to stay with the tenancy. That's right. And we've also talked about um, with our submission, we're going to be promoting affordability as being part of the security of tenure issue. Mm -hmm. And that, that during a life, the, the, the term of a, a lease, that they should only be able to put up rent, say, uh, by the CPI. Yeah. So that's another advantage of, of someone taking over someone else's lease to, to yeah, have that absolutely. arrangement. There's a, I mean, there's a whole lot of issues that go along with security of tenure. You can't have security of tenure without effective rent control. You know, if you're going to have if you're going to have a, a long term lease, you need to be able to make reasonable modifications to your property. You know, there was a quote that I liked from uh, Dr. Vili, Vivian Mulligan from the City Futures Research Center uh, told the Senate Committee on Affordable Housing. If you're a renter in Germany, you can choose and put in your own kitchen. If you're in Australia, you cannot put a pot plant on the carpet in case it leaks. So really, in a lot of ways, what we're talking about is transforming a concept of a rental a rental property as, as a house that you're temporarily able to occupy into the idea that a rental property should be your home. Yeah. And I think that's a fundamental important issue that does need to be um, put across and well understood that places in Europe where it is more forms of social housing, where, where it has been government support for um, for not-for-profit housing, where the tenancy laws have been developed in conjunction with that government strategy. Mm. But in Australia, we've only we've just got this largely unregulated private market, and on the other hand, a very poorly funded public housing system. Mm -hmm. So we, we do need to 
you know, see regulation of the market go hand in hand with, with um, affordable housing supply, as we've mentioned earlier. Yeah. And it makes a lot more sense to, to develop it in that way. Yeah. It really, I mean, I guess there's some, we have some cynicism in our expectation of how successful this review is going to be, <laughs> knowing how entrenched um, the positions of the, the right-wing developers are in society and how much pressure they can put on governments. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, we, this is why we believe there needs to be that dual strategy of housing supply and regulation at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I think fundamentally the, the power, one of the sources of power that we have in advocating for progressive change is that the current arrangement is tremendously expensive for the government. It costs the government a lot of money to have, have people on low incomes, people on benefits, you know, constantly churning through homelessness services because they've been evicted again. If there's a, a more secure system and a, and a more accessible system, especially for people on low incomes and benefits, yeah. then that, that's a tremendous saving to the government. And I think the reason we're seeing some of these proposals for reform is because the government's thinking about whether those savings are more valuable than, than the, the political capital they gain from siding with developers all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm coming back to 10-year leases, this is something that I like to bang on about a bit. The, uh, the, there's an alternative way of thinking about secure tenure, which is more akin to what you have in public housing, just to say, no, we don't, we don't need 10-year leases. We just need to say that a landlord can't evict you unless you've done something wrong which is more like what you have in Germany or some other European countries. At the moment in Victoria, your landlord can evict you for literally no reason. Your landlord can just say, 120 days, you're out. There's very little recourse. Uh, we could not only abolish those no reason notices, we could say, your landlord can't evict you because he wants to sell. Your landlord can't evict you because you know Uncle Joe wants to move in. All of those things go. Your landlord can evict you if you're behind in the rent, if you're damaging the property, you know, if you're doing something illegal, what have you. But but essentially allow tenants to determine the, the, the length of their tenure uh, on their own. The, uh, that, that's a change that I would like to see. I'm not sure how realistic it is at this point, but well, uh, it's something to think about. Yeah, but, but as you say, these are laws that do exist in other places. It's not, yeah. it's not something that's in, just in a manifesto somewhere. This is, yeah, this, is, this is actual laws that do exist in other, pla- other, other countries similar to Australia. Yeah. So, and, you know, unless we are going to have um, increasing poverty in our country, increasing homelessness, um, in- increasing, um, you know, tragedies of people's lives that, that lead to homelessness, then we're going to have to have uh, laws like this that do provide proper protection. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that's quite exciting to me about the way that the, the consultation paper's been laid out, it not only talks about what, what specific changes are needed in terms of, you know, different protections for tenants, it's also talking about what changes need to be made to the whole framework of dispute resolution and enforcement. I think that's really important because we know that VCAT, which is the tribunal that, you know, oversees tenancy disputes, 92% of the applications to, to the residential tenancies list at VCAT are made by landlords. It's not something that's been accessible to tenants. There's, you know, there's plenty of reasons for that. One of the main ones, again, is security of tenure. Nobody wants to go to VCAT because they're worried they're going to be evicted. One of, my, one of the tenants that I was working with put that to me really, really well, I thought. She said, if you want to stay put, you have to put up with appalling conditions. If you go to VCAT, the end result is that you win, but then you end up losing your home. Yes. I mean, it's, and, and many, many people are in that position. Do I put up with the, these terrible conditions mm. or do I risk eviction? The the affordable housing report that the Commonwealth Senate uh, handed down a few months back, uh, that included a recommendation specifically that states look at at tenant rights and and whether protections within local tenancy act or state tenancy acts Mm. were sufficient to allow tenants to exercise their rights. 
And like you're saying, Shane, and this cuts across all forms of housing that we deal with, um, res parks and um, rooming houses, all forms of housing, the critical issue is secure tenure. Mm. If you've got secure tenure, you feel freer to exercise your rights. Um, as you're saying, like VCAT is, um, is really seen as a landlord's court yeah. um, and it's just a processing factory for, for them to evict people rather than being a place where people can exercise their rights and secure tenure would really try to um, even up the balance a lot more in that way. 100%. All right. Thanks very much for coming in. We are going to have to finish up now, even though I could easily talk for another half hour, if not another four hours on this topic. Next show, Shane. Uh, next show. <laughs> uh, I wanted to leave you with a quote from Anthony Trollope from his book Phineas Farm, where he wrote, Many who before regarded legislation on the subject as chimerical will now fancy that it is only dangerous or perhaps not more than difficult. And so in time it will come to be looked on as among the things possible, then among the things probable. And so at last it will be ranged in the list of those few measures which the country requires as being absolutely needed. <laughs> that is the way in which public opinion is made. That's brilliant. So if, if, so if people want to get in contact with, um, with us about these issues or if people need any assistance? Yeah, if you want assistance or if you want to talk about the report, give us a call at HAG on 1300 765 178. Uh, I'll pop up a link to the, the webpage that Jeff mentioned, which includes the briefing paper on the 3CR website and also on our website. Uh, that's it for this month. Thanks very much for listening. Going to leave you with a song. Uh, this is Kev Carmody with I've Been Moved. Good night. <laughs>